Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, we've got so much to get through tonight. Loosen up. It's the Wednesday edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Absolute pleasure. We're going to have some fun today. Oh, we going to have some fun. this Wednesday edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you once again. I am Boogie Bumpy, your host. Hopefully for the next couple of hours or so, we'll see how we go. We may have to run under. We might run over. We'll see what happens. We'll see what. We'll see the way it pans out. I'm not keeping, I'm not making any promises on tonight's episode, and I don't want you to have any expectations at all. The last couple of weeks have been tremendous for me. It's been like shedding skin. It's been tremendous for this show because there's nothing I hate more than expectations and it has been absolute it has been satisfying beyond my wildest dreams shattering expectations that people have shattering spitting in the face of people who make demands of you as a live streamer shattering their expectations shattering their ideas of what they think this show should be even though they think, even though they have no direct input into it whatsoever, they believe that it must be a certain way. <laughs> it must represent certain values, their values. <laughs> no, that's not how we roll. On this show, we shatter expectations because this is my show. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for sharing the show out. If you did, if you didn't, well, that's okay too. I guess you can hang around. We don't mind. It's free to all on this Wednesday edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. Uh, so much to get through in so little time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, tonight, we will get to at least two topics that I have promised to get to yesterday and the day before and haven't gotten to because we get so carried away with other topics that mostly people don't care about. So I will try to get to coronavirus tonight because we've got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff we need to cover. Uh, I do have some weird and wonderful stories from around the web, and I absolutely, I'm dying to take you on a tour of an illegal sex doll brothel in Las Vegas. This is something I think you need to know about. This is this is going to be sex and dating in the future. So, and I do have some announcements to make at the end of the show, so if you can stick around for that, then by all means, please do. Yeah, there'll be some sex topics. There'll be a little bit of sex. A little bit. Wouldn't be the Daily Boogie without some kind of kink. So thank you for joining us. Hope you had a lovely night. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please, by all means, join our other very loyal patrons on patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to tell me about your illegal sex doll brothel, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogiebumper. If you'd like to leave a tip during tonight's proceedings, the recommended way to do so would be to head to dlive.tv slash boogiebumper. Get yourself some lemons and leave those slippery little sour suckers in my fruit bowl. 
or you can go to the link below, streamlabs.com slash boogie bumper. Oh, thank you, UK Neil. Got to do it. Got to do a quick, uh, quick couple of shout outs. First of all, uh, follow UK Neil. UK, we, UK Neil just shared something with me like 10 minutes before we went live. So we'll get to that first because it is utterly tremendous. We're changing the fucking world here on this program. Changing the world. JJ Stoner, ladies and gentlemen. And that was the, uh, thank you for the diamond, JJ, because that was the other shout out I was going to give. Uh, this morning, my time, it would have been, I think, midday East Coast time. I don't know where JJ is, if he's East Coast, West Coast, I'm not sure. But uh, I think around midday East Coast time, I had a tremendous experience. I tuned into JJ Stoner's show uh, live for the first time. I had seen clips on other people's shows, but short clips. So I haven't had a chance to watch JJ in full flight. So I tuned in to this morning, my time, and I was lucky enough the gods were smiling upon me because <laughs> today I have been reliably, reliably informed was Midget Wednesday. This is a tradition on the JJ Stoner program. Every single Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen, it's all midgets. Midgets wall to wall. So we, we got to watch some midget boxing. We got to watch oiled midgets being thrown down an alley as if it were 10-pin bowling. Uh, there was a bit of midget dating in there. I was, I was fucking beside myself. I'm like, where have you been all my life? This is exactly the kind of content that I need. This is exactly the kind of content that I want to see. So I was tremendously happy that JJ Stoner is providing this for the wider internet universe. So do yourself a favor. Head to dlive.tv slash JJ Stoner. Don't miss out on Midget Wednesday. And apparently a game show in the next couple of days, which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, I think it's Dindu Nuffin, the Dindu Nuffin quiz, or who who didn't do. So I, I I don't know the rules, but I have been enticed by Midget Wednesday. So follow JJ Stoner. Fantastic stuff. Little people for fuck's sake, says Kimmy in the chat. Doing God's work. He's humble as well, folks. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. So much to get through. Let me first uh, open tonight's proceedings with the hot topic on this audience's lips, that being the petition that we started yesterday. Thank you for the gypsy. Thank you for the thank you for the diamond gypsy. Where did you steal the diamond gypsy? Who did you steal the diamond from, Gypsy? Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the subs, Gypsy. Who did you steal the subs from, Gypsy? So let me open tonight, tonight's show with addressing the elephant in the room, that being the petition that we started a couple of days ago. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just bring this up for you. Absolute pleasure. You're listening to the Daily Boogie podcast. There it is. Make Donald Trump change his rally entrance music from Patriot songs to Macho Men. I'm pleased to report that 20 Patriots have now signed up. We are changing the fucking world here. This thing has taken on a life of its own, and I am pleased to report, I am pleased to announce that it has only been positive feedback. I have not got one negative response to this petition at all. Amazing. I thought at least, you know, a handful of people would be upset or they would, you know, they would disagree but it's been amazing that the wall, the torrent of support, the tsunami of support for this movement, not one single person has expressed any kind of displeasure to this drive at all. Everybody wall to wall, 100% consensus. Everybody is behind this and I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be prouder of people. 
It is absolutely tremendous. Only positive feedback. My DMs are filling up with people saying, thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing this. You truly are. You truly love America. You truly love our president. You truly are a patriot. And I say, that's okay. That's okay. I don't mind. It is something, you know, it's, it's not even something I feel like I had to do. It's something I feel like I was born to do. You know what I mean? I was born to do this because I want what's best for you. I really do care. So I'm really happy with the amount of positive feedback that we've received for this drive. Absolutely tremendous. Look at these comments. Look at these brave patriots here. Uh, Bocca Bradley, America loves the village people. Uh, JJ Stoner, macho man is a macho man. It's been tremendous, the amount of support we've received. So thank you, everybody, for getting behind this. And we are changing the world. This was shared to us by UK Neil just a few minutes ago. <laughs> Ignoring leftist outrage, village people say Trump welcome to play their music at rallies. Yes! Ring it's happening, and ladies and gentlemen. Cheese, it's happening. Man. Thank you for the sub, Gypsy. It is happening. Amazing support. Iconic disco group Village People issued a statement on Monday declaring that President Trump is welcome to their music at his rallies after left-wing activists demanded the group ban him from using their music. You've got to watch out for those left-wingers. Those angry left-wingers, those irate, offended left-wingers will always try to step in the way of other people's good times. They will try to cut you down. They will try to stop, you know, organic movements like this from taking place. Those angry activist left-wing types who get offended by things are always trying to stick their nose into somebody else's fun. But like I said, I'm pleased to announce that we've only had support for this on our side of the aisle. It's been tremendous. <laughs> Village People's classic song, Macho Man, played as Trump entered a raucous rally in Sardar Patel Stadium in Ahmabad? Ahmabad? Ahmabad. On Monday, the president has also previously used the band's iconic 1978 hit YMCA at various campaign events. Amid demands from left-wing agitators online screeching that the group banned Trump from using their music, village people took to Facebook to say that anyone is allowed to use their songs no matter what their political persuasion, they are true artists, they are true patriots. Quote, We have received numerous requests demanding that we prevent or ban President Donald Trump's use of our songs, particularly YMCA and Macho Man. The group wrote, With the latest use of Macho Man in India, we are being inundated and can no longer remain silent. Don't you ever remain silent, village people. You stand up for what you believe in. Since our music is not being used for a specific endorsement, the president's use is perfectly legal. He has remained respectful in his use of our songs and has not crossed the line. If he or any other candidate were to use any of our songs in a manner that would suggest our endorsement or in a promotional advertisement, that would cross the line, they added. Despite noting that Trump and his supporters appear to enjoy their music, the group did say that they would rather their music not they would rather their music be kept out of politics. Like millions of village people fans worldwide, the president and his supporters have shown a genuine like for our music, the statement continued. Our music is all inclusive, and certainly everyone is entitled to do the YMCA dance, regardless of their political affiliation. Isn't that fantastic? Don't you want more of this? 
Having said that, we certainly don't endorse its use and we'd prefer our music to be kept out of politics. Well, that's understandable, but they don't care who you vote for. They don't care who you vote for as long as you're having a good damn time. True patriotism. So we are changing the world, ladies and gentlemen. One little petition has sent shockwaves through the internet. So now now can I address something? (laughs) This was probably obvious to most people at the start. And to those that it wasn't obvious to, I don't particularly care. So let me show you, let me read to you again the wording of the petition. Because I was seeing the stories. I first got alerted by reading Pink News. I check Pink News regularly just just for content. And I saw an article on Pink News and it was, you know, an outraged leftist blog saying we need to stop Donald Trump from using this song because it's offensive, right? It's offensive that he's hijacking this song from these icons of the LGBTQ community, right? So I thought, okay, how can I have some fun with this? So I spun it around, right? I inverted the argument. Listen to the listen to the wording of the petition. Donald Trump should change his rally entrance to Macho Man by the village people. Oh, by the way, this petition was filed on change.org under LGBTQ rights, if you haven't done your homework. Clearly very serious matter. Donald Trump should change his rally entrance music to Macho Man by the village people instead of the cliched patriot songs he plays now. Homosexual men dancing in costumes is a far more accurate representation of modern America than toxic patriotism (laughs) expressed through tired, well-worn rock and roll formulas. Because as you know, on this show, we've spoken out many times against toxic patriotism and toxic masculinity. We are very much, you know, on that side of the ledger. So as you can see, it's an inversion of the outrage that was coming from the left-wing blogs. But I'm happy, like I said, I'm happy to announce that I've only gotten wall-to-wall support. I've only had consensus. I've only had positive, uh, positive feedback for this. So there would be no need to explain it any further because clearly everybody understands what's taking place here. Clearly, Everybody understands what the point of this was, obviously. And the only people who are getting outraged at the idea that Donald Trump would play Macho Man or other village people's songs at his rallies are only, as we know, the unhinged leftists on in, on the internet. The activist leftist types that want to, you know, fall back on their authoritarian urge to tell other people what to do. Other than, And we don't care what they think anyway. All of the reasonable, ras- rational people understood this instantly (laughs) so thank you for joining us thank you for playing absolutely wonderful and give yourselves a round of applause 20 brave patriots have signed this petition let's make it happen we're making things happen we're changing the goddamn world and doesn't it feel good so like i said like i said tonight plenty of things to go over lots of things to go over um Tell you what, I'll I'll give you the option. I'll I'll ask what you want to do. Because, you know, I, I'm open. This is a democratic show. This is a show of the people. Worldwide famous show of the people, isn't it? So I'll give you the option. Do you want to open tonight's show with a quick update from John McAfee? We did a lot of John McAfee yesterday. We did a lot, I understand. But another two, he's released a new official campaign video. 
the next step to the White House, John McAfee. So he's released a new campaign video, which I, I want to go deep into. I want to analyze with you. Here at, on, this, on this show, as you know, we endorse John McAfee for president in 2020. Or we can figure out what an aromatic is. An aromatic is apparently the next group of people who need to be liberated. I didn't I thought it was a scent. I thought it was, you know, having potpourri in a room. I thought it was the spray that you put around the bathroom after you take a big shit. That's not aromatic at all. Aromatic is a victim group. So press one in the chat if you want to hear from John McAfee. Press two in the chat if you want to be educated about why you're a bigot again. I'll let you decide. I'll give you a couple of minutes. See, mainly twos, the ones are making a comeback. Lady Fritz are joining us on Twitch, by the way. Um, hi, Debbie. Thank you for joining us, Debbie Latimer. It has been a long time, ladies and gentlemen. Say hi to Debbie on Periscope. I haven't seen you for a couple of years, babe. How are you doing? Hope you're doing well. Hope you're healthy. Hope you're good. Hope you're loving life. It's, it's going to be twos. It's mainly the twos. All right, so let's educate ourselves. We don't want to be bigots here on this program. And clearly, with the petition that we just signed, we, we're clearly um, on the side of non-bigotry. <laughs> that, that petition's going to... That's that's the best thing ever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I love that all of you love it and nobody has any complaints. It's the best part. It's just fantastic. It's just fantastic when you, when you tap into the... <clears throat> when you tap into the consciousness of your audience... Because I know it's difficult. Sometimes I'm on this side of the screen, you're on that side of the screen. It can feel like there's a little bit of separation between us. But I'm just happy that on that on that occasion, on that issue, we absolutely nailed it. We absolutely nailed it and everyone agrees. It's just the best. So let's learn about... You're all a bunch of racists. Thank you for joining us, Sam. <laughs> I want to get Sam on the show, by the way, at some point. Um, maybe, maybe, Sam, when we get a bit closer to election time or maybe once we figure out who the nominee is going to be, I'd be happy to have you on. Uh, Sam is, if you don't know, Sam is a, a figure of hatred for many of you, especially on, twi uh, on Twitter, on Periscope. But I'm pleased to report that he's more hated by his own comrades in the Democrat Party than he is by you. He actually That's why he comes in here, because you treat him nicely. You treat him more nicely in this show than he gets treated by his own Democrats in their Periscopes. <laughs> so... I'd like to get Sam on to talk about uh, what's happening with the Democrat Party and the election and whatnot, just to get a Democrat perspective, because uh, I'm not afraid of hearing what other people think. So, you know, and if you are, that's fine. I'll give you fair warning. You don't have to show up. That won't be a problem. But again, it's my show. I'll do what I want. So, <clears throat> all right, we're going to learn. We're going to learn tonight. I saw this video the other day. I had no idea what an aromatic was, but you're about to find out. You're about to find out. Are you a romantic? Are you somebody that loves love? You know, on this program, we love love. We support your love. We want you to be in love. And I don't even care what kind of love it is. On this show, we support 
love, full stop. We hate hate and we love love. So any kind of celebration of love, we are absolutely going to get behind 110% on the Daily Boogie program. So I saw this and I thought, well, I obviously need to educate myself because here is an unfamiliar term. Uh, Here is a moderately attractive young woman wearing an old Iron Maiden shirt. But then I thought, well, I don't know if the shirt is old or if the holes are intentionally ripped in there, which isn't as good. If it's an old shirt, then it's fine. If it's bought like that, I'm not a fan because then, you know, then you're a faker. Then it's not a real Iron Maiden shirt. So we need to educate ourselves. What is an aromatic and how do you come out as an aromantic? Let's have a look. My name's Yasmin Bamwa, Lisa. My name's Alex Wellis. My name is Andrea. I'm Nick Field. My name is uh, Emir. I'm Samantha. And I identify as aromantic. Aromantic. Well, you know, that's great. Buying flowers, sweet talking, you know, opening the door, dinner bookings, that kind of thing, movies, holding hands. Walking on snowy afternoons in you know New York City, looking in shop windows around Christmas, drinking hot cocoa. You know, oh, that sounds romantic to me, right? Showing up with not a bouquet of flowers, but just one rose. I'm somebody that thinks one rose is more romantic than a whole shop full of flowers, right? Very romantic stuff like that. Just leaving one rose on the bed. Of course, I do none of these things. (laughs) But I've been reliably informed by popular culture that these are the things that romantic people do. I have no idea because I don't do any of them. I'm just kind of like, brace yourself. Let's do this. I take the term quite literally, so it's just not experiencing romantic attraction. Whatever other people uh, tend to describe, like the meeting someone, love at first sight, heart beating very fast, all the the physical symptoms is something that is pretty alien to me. (laughs) Experiencing love at first sight, the butterflies in the stomach, is pretty alien to me. This is the next victim group, ladies and gentlemen. People who don't experience romance. (laughs) And see, again, I'm not a particularly romantic person. I can be, but I don't, it's not something that's natural for me. Like, I have to sit down and really think about it. Like, oh, okay, how's this going to be romantic? I'm more of a utilitarian when it comes to relationships. Whatever benefits the most amount of, whatever brings the most happiness at any given time to the most amount of people, that's what we're going with, right? It's a very Jeremy Bentham approach to, you know, courting. If you don't know who Jeremy Bentham is, you need to polish up on your political philosophy, ladies and gentlemen. The godfather of utilitarianism, essentially. But but now people who don't experience love feelings... (laughs) That's now a group. That's now a group. That's now been intersectionalized. There are people. Can you just imagine? There's going to be a romantic shaming. That's going because that'll be next, right? That'll be next. People who claim to be aromantic, people who claim to not experience any kind of love feelings. Are, I'm telling you. I'm putting it. I'm putting this on the table. I'm putting this down in the ledger for things to watch. From, right, from now into the future, 
these people will be complaining about rom, you know, rom-coms on Hallmark. They'll be complaining about romantic movies. They'll say that they feel left out by society. They feel oppressed by other people's love because they don't experience it. Why should I watch movies on a Friday night that are about romance and love when it's something I can never feel? I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to happen. All of these little intersectional groups always follow the exact same track. First, it's identification. Then it's coming out. Then it's liberation. Then it's we need to suppress everything that's not me. And this will go the exact same way. All the, the physical symptoms. McRae's saying they're already going after books. <laughs> we need to ban romantic books. They are offensive. They are oppressing me. <laughs> I can't get enough of this stuff. See, am I the sadist at this point? Because JJ in the chat said before, no, they're just called sadists. Okay, I understand your point. But my enjoyment of this content, the fact that I keep going back to the well, the, the fact that I keep going to find more of this stuff, am I really the sadist here? You know, I'm punishing myself by bombarding my psyche with this garbage. But I, I just can't get enough of it. It's like, a, it's like a heroin junkie. I know it's bad for me, but I must keep doing it. I must keep taking the drug. <laughs> I can't get enough. Tom is something that is pretty alien to me. I have never wanted to form a relationship or get married. I experienced that. Oh, come on now. Come I on now. I have never... I've never wanted to form a relationship. I've never wanted to get married. But Andrea... We haven't met yet. <laughs> Can you feel the love tonight? You're a rare romantic. It's enough for this girl named Andrea. To sleep with books tonight. I can hear the vaginas moistening as we speak. It sounds like a 1980s percolating coffee machine. wanted to form a relationship or get married. I experienced next to no romantic attraction and very limited sexual attraction. Girls, he's available. <laughs> he's on the market, ladies. He's waiting for the right lady. Come on now. It's the freedom to be He's on Tinder, but he just swipes the other way for everybody. <laughs> Every single time he goes on Twitter. No, nah. on Tinder. No, nah. no. Nah. No, no, no. Okay, we went through them all. <laughs> who I actually am, as opposed to who everyone thinks I should be. Not. This is going to sound harsh, and I would never normally do this because I'm not this kind of a person, right? I would never normally go there, but I feel like it's kind of like the obvious thing that, and you know, I I can't ignore obvious things, and I feel like if I don't point out the obvious things, then I'm kind of betraying myself, like I'm I'm holding something back. I'm going to have to point it out. None of these people are particularly attractive, are they? <laughs> like, would you have the same aversion to love? Would you say have the same aversion to relationships if you were like a 9 out of 10? 
girl, you were none. If if you were one of those people, like if you were a just a drop dead knockout or a, a, a throbbing pole Ring of hot the bell man chicken, and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, Gypsy. Where did you steal the t- sub, Gypsy? If you were a hunk or a babe, do you think that you would end up being in this category of aromantic people who don't experience love or people who have no lustful desire for anybody else? I'm not sure. Everyone deserves to be loved. I agree, McRae. I agree. I'm not particularly attractive myself. I'm somewhere between a three and a one. (laughs) And, you know, I found love. Mainly from my puppy, but that's okay. That'll do. Hey, you know, she's female, so, you know, I'm not missing out. That's all right. I'll take it. Obviously have love from the village people. They're loving our, they're loving our work. They love the fact that we're changing the world over here on this program. But I just get this feeling like none of them are, you know, none of them are like knockout glamours here. And that's okay. You don't have to be. But I just wonder. If we can find a really super attractive person that is a knockout glamour, then I'm more likely to believe that aromantic is actually a thing instead of something that people make up when they don't have a relationship, right? That Maybe that's just, I'm just putting that on the table for your consideration. Chew on it. See what you think. How does it taste? You tell me. Putting one person above all others, not buying into the societal narrative that you are allowed one, brackets, one romantic partner. How how is that a societal narrative? (laughs) And you knew it, you knew it wouldn't take long before the politics start creeping into it, right? So first it's like, I just don't feel any physical attraction to other people. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I've never felt love. Okay, I get that. I've never felt the urge to have a relationship or get married. Mm, that's okay. A lot of people are like that. Well, I just don't want to buy into the societal narratives that say a strong family must be a man and woman. It's like, hang on, hang on. Here we go. We knew this was coming. But what the fuck is she talking about? There's no societal narrative that you must get married. If anything, the narrative, the culture, the popular cultural narrative is the exact fucking opposite. Why is it all of these people that have all of these political ideas that they try to infuse into other areas where they ought not be are actually referencing what society and culture was like in the 1950s? Yet they'll accuse you of living in the 1950s because you believe like marriage is important, because you believe it's like the cornerstone of the family or whatever. If you have these beliefs, you're stuck in the 1950s. Yet their complaints about these beliefs are all referenced in the 1950s. Uh, well, I just don't believe in this patriarchal narrative that says that uh, a man and a woman should get married and that's the only way it can be. No, 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 no they, that is not what the societal narrative now. You've already won the culture war. You've already won. <laughs> People are fucking everybody now. You can get apps where you just you just fucking swipe. It. Here are Here is everybody who wants to fuck you. Go out and fuck your brains out. People are getting divorced, left, right and centre. People are getting married to Persian rugs. We've covered it on this show. People are getting married to zombie dolls. They're getting married to dead pirates. They're getting married to lamps. They're getting married to Persian rugs. What fucking societal narrative are you talking about? The one that existed 70 fucking years ago. That's the one. It's not the one that that's alive and kicking today. 
and that that partner um, has to be the person that you live with. I found out about being a romantic uh, relatively late in life. I first heard about it on Tumblr. Ah! <laughs> yes! Imagine my shock to steal a to steal a line from PJ Dubs. Well, imagine my shock. I first heard about my victim group. I first heard about my intersectional victim group on Tumblr. <laughs> mm -hmm. She's not wrong though, because I first I first found out that I was an alt right Nazi by reading Tumblr as well. <laughs> Everybody finds out who they are by reading Tumblr. She found out she was aromantic. I found out that I was a disgusting xenophobic Nazi. I, I had no idea before I tuned in. Before I stumbled on that Tumblr thread, I had no idea who I really was. And then they pointed out, well, because you're not in favour of mass immigration, you must be a, gem a genocidal maniac. And I thought, oh, good. Now I know. Now I know. It's always better to know. By reading a book, someone mentioned the word aromantic. First time that I realised was actually really, really recently. Um, as in, within the last month. <laughs> this has been a lifelong journey for me. I found out a month ago that I am this victim group that isn't invented and is actually real. I found out that I'm part of this oppressed minority in society. The people who cannot love. <laughs> like I said, I can't get enough of this shit. I feel like by the time I was about like 13, 14. <laughs> JJ Stoner, oh good, you're a part of the group that's been extinct since the 40s. Exactly. Again, all of their narratives revolve around what happened in the 40s and the 50s. You know, we need to wipe out these genocidal Nazis who are running around society, who put forward the narrative that it's a patriarchal society and you can only get married to one person. That's apparently what's happening now in 2020. <laughs> I read, I, it must be true, I read it on Tumblr. Everyone was very interested in either pursuing relationships, having boyfriends, having girlfriends. Yeah. And uh, all the girls in my class would be like, oh, this boy is so beautiful, he's so handsome, I'm totally in love. I really... You're a lesbian. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell you. Have you considered lesbianism? Have you considered lesbian lesbianic Tumblr? Maybe you might find answers. At least you can still get off when you're a lesbian, right? You don't have to be attracted to men. That's fine. You don't have to dig the D. I get it, man. But you don't have to go off romance. You don't have to go off love. You don't have to not love. Have you considered, you know, taking buying two tickets to Lesbos? Who knows? Maybe that's the answer. He wasn't doing anything and it was because of that contrast that people noticed that there was something up with me. You know when you're sad and you Google things at like three o'clock in the morning? <laughs> this is this is going exactly as I thought it would. <laughs> you know when you're really sad and you Google things and you come across a Tumblr thread at three o'clock in the morning and you know, you're really sad about who you are and your position in the world and you really don't like, you know, how your life is turning out and then you Google something and then everything becomes obvious and clear. You like, you find all of your answers. You find everything. You find your identity hidden deep within a Tumblr thread about aromantism. Be like, why am I like this? Uh, so I did exactly that. Uh, I said, you know. A month ago, by the way. 
So he's really thought this through. He's really explored his feelings. Why don't I have, um, why can't I feel? Gary Vance says, Google Pornhub next time. <laughs> love towards other people in like a dating sort of way. And um, it came back with all this information about uh, aromanticism. I was like, oh God. This is not just a thought process in my head. This no, it's, a- it's real. It's a real thing. It's definitely a real thing. Thing that other people are like. Yep. During your teenage years. There's at least five people who think this way. It must be real. When people figure it- uh, Just a quick reminder that 25% of the American population believe that Elvis is still alive. That was in the 90s and we didn't have internet at home or only a few select people had. We didn't have yep. all the Tumblr, Twitter mm, communities. Mm. And the world is a far better place thanks to Tumblr and Twitter. So there was no way of um, of sharing this, of, uh, of finding other people yep. who, would, uh, who would feel the, the same way. Mm. Even though I'd come out as asexual and sort of come out to myself, come out to my friend group as asexual. I would imagine, like, in the coming out world, because, you know, coming out, it's it's by definition, it's like you're pushing back against some kind of stigma, right? Like, because I'm, I'm hidden. I'm coming, I'm coming out as X. In the coming out world, I would think that asexual would be, like, the least problematic. Again, just putting it out there. You know, if you come in, I can understand, like, just say you're from a very conservative household or something, a Christian household, you want to come out as gay, that could be tough. I get it, man. That could be very tough. Having that conversation with the folks, nasty stuff. But, I mean, if, you, if, you're, a fe- if you're a daughter, if you're a female, you just, say, just say you're 18 years old, you come out to your parents that I am asexual. I have no interest in sex whatsoever. Your dad will probably buy you a fucking car. <laughs> dad, there's something I need to tell you. What's that, dear? Sit down. Let's have a chat. Uh, dad, um, lately I've been thinking about, you know, who I am. And I've been having these strange feelings, like I'm trying to figure out something about myself. There's a part of me that I've been keeping a secret and I've known it since I was like 13, 14 years old. And, you know, I'm sorry, I've had to build up for this. And, um, you know, and I, there's a reason I wanted to talk to you today is because I want to share with you these, these feelings that I've been having. And I want to talk to you about like who I really am. And right now the dad's like on the verge of having a heart attack. He's a pastor or something. <laughs> and Dad, I just want to tell you that I'm aromantic. What? I'm aromantic. What the fuck is aromantic? Uh, Dad, I have no desire, no urge, and no sexual feelings toward anyone. Really? <laughs> That's fucking great. <laughs> Why did you feel like you couldn't tell me this earlier? This is fantastic. Honey, honey, get in here. Sally doesn't want to have sex with anyone. I told you. I told you this was going to be okay. Sally, grab my credit card, head down to the mall and get yourself a nice fucking dress, okay? You just, just, you know what? Just buy whatever you want. Take your friends, go out on the town. I am in such a good mood. Honey, Sally doesn't want to have sex with anyone ever. That's wonderful. 
Gary's like, lucky bastard. <laughs> exactly. I had to come out to my parents and say that I didn't want to have sex with anyone. Oh, that must have been very difficult for them. <laughs> it never felt like that fully described me. And then I found out about aromanticism by way of that book and then doing some research afterwards. And At least she's read about it. It was pretty much like an, oh my God, I've oh my God. found the thing. It's kind of indescribable. I just Now, on the flip side, though, so that works for the daughters. Now, see, this is a bit of gender oppression taking place here. Let's do the guys. Dad, there's something I want to talk to you about. What is it, son? Well, Dad, I'm sorry. I've been building up for this for a long time. I've started having these feelings when I was like 13 years old and I realised that I wasn't the same as the other boys on the inside. Okay. And there's a part of me that, you know, I've been keeping a secret for a long time. And, you know, I wanted to talk to you today because I want to talk about, um, I want to tell you what I've been keeping inside. And I want to talk to you about, you know, who I really am. And the dad's on the verge of having a heart attack. And he says, dad, I've got something to tell you. I have no interest in sex whatsoever. I'm aromantic. I don't have any desire to be with anybody at all. And unlike the female, the dad at this point, <laughs> he might say, well, at least you're not gay. But at this point, <clears throat> the dad's going to say, tell you what, grab my credit card. Oh, can I go to the mall? Can I buy a car? Can I buy a suit? Can I go out uh, drinking? No, no, no. Grab my credit card. We're heading to the brothel. You are going to fuck hookers until you want them. You are going to have sex with cheap whores until you cannot think about anything except pussy. You stay there until you are straight, young man. <laughs> no boy of mine is going to say that he doesn't want to have sex. That's it. Come on. Let's go. We're getting you laid right now. And I'm going to stand there and I'm going to watch it and I'm going to make sure you're doing it properly. It's the exact, it's a whole different world of pressure that the guys would have to put up with in that situation. I woke up for the first time in 30 odd years and I wasn't unhappy. It definitely made me feel safer. And Movie Time Blue says it should be easier for females to attract interest. Males have to work to generate interest. I don't know, that used to be the case. This is something we've spoken about on the show before. Like if you think of like the bad old times, sexual liberation has essentially caused the horrification of women like it's men aren't objectifying women m less now they're obviously objectifying women more now because before liberation right regardless of what you think of it like i don't care you can go out and fuck whoever you want but just as like a study of history before liberation men had to work 10 times harder to see a tit right like now you can now you can just go on Tinder. You can be you can be um up to your nuts in guts in two hours if you want to. There is a whole bevy of females out there just waiting to put it all out there as soon as you meet them. I've been told these women exist. <laughs> I've never met any of them, but I've been told they're out there by reliable sources. But before this, like before sexual liberation, you had to, you know, you had to look presentable. 
You had to meet the family. You had to have a good job. You had to have good prospects. And then maybe, maybe eventually after you get married, after you make a commitment, then you'll get to touch a boob. But now you can just have boobs. You can have tits whenever you want because that's what liberation did. And now they say, oh, this is objectification. All men want is tits. And it's like, no, all men wanted was all men want is tits. That's true, but that's always been true. But in the past, men had to work three, ten times as hard to get there. You had to be, you had to be worth it, right? They had to make that commitment. The family had to approve of you. Now that now that dynamic doesn't exist at all. So, you know, this is what you wanted. <laughs> And uh, not so much as a, as an alien. It wasn't necessarily kind of like just being weird or being af <sighs> afraid of commitment or something Salvatore, like that. Salvatore, thanks for doing The most common misconception this. is that, oh, you haven't met the right man yet. I tend to get like psychopath a lot. I've given up on dating. I've given up on finding a partner. <laughs> but let's be honest, in, in 40 years, I haven't met the person that's, well, you know. What, were you looking when you were one? Were you talking with the other five-year-old saying, you know, in daycare? Were you talking with the other children in kindergarten going, you know what? I haven't been laid in fucking five years. I, I, have, I have not been fucked in at least, you know, 10 years. This is ridiculous. I need to find somebody. Um, maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe there's just nothing wrong with me and you need to stop butting in in my life, thanks. Not all... You're the one going on the internet. Aromantics are sad and lonely. Because we are aromantic doesn't mean we cannot love you. I've got news for you, Karen. There are relationships Karen. other than romantic ones. I've always found it really weird that romantic love is kind of considered as being like the true love in comparison to all the other kinds of love that generally last longer. Wait, 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 wait. So are they saying that Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Are they saying that they're still out there fucking? Like, are they still dating? Are they still seeing people? Are they still in relationships? But they just tell that the other person that they're in a relationship with, the other person that they're fucking, do they just tell them, you know, I'll probably never fall in love with you? Uh, that's not a special victim group. That's 2020. <laughs> Ah, fuck that. Nah, done. <laughs> You're not, that's not a real thing. Dating people and not falling in love with them isn't special. That's pretty much what everyone's doing now. If I can use a line from The Simpsons, when Mrs. Krabappel is asked by one of the twins, either Sherry or Terry, Mrs. Krabappel, how will we know when we fall in love? The everlasting wisdom of their teacher, she replies, don't worry. Most of you will never fall in love and will marry out of fear of dying alone. <laughs> so there it is. Fuck buddies. There you go. It is a community of fuck buddies. And uh, on this show, after this show, as soon as we're wrapped up here today, I will be jumping straight on Tumblr and seeing if I can make somebody's acquaintance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't believe in romance either. Want to fuck? <laughs> no, wait, I won't be doing that. Come on. You can, though, if you want to if you're into that kind of thing. All right. Let's check this out. John McAfee, ladies and gentlemen, he's released a new presidential campaign video. 
I haven't seen it yet. I, I'm, I'm eager to find out what John McAfee's been up to since yesterday. This is an official campaign clip. This is an official, like, so this is this is branded. This is stamped with the McAfee 2020 badge. This is not just John McAfee talking to a camera. This is not just John McAfee talking to a parrot. This is not John McAfee uh, serving his friends fish before they come over. This, that's not one of those. This is, you know, this is one of the important ones. This is one of the ones that will go around the world. This is one of the ones that showcases John McAfee as the next president of the United States. So let's have a look what he's up to. Manicures. Why do we get them? <laughs> well, I get one every fucking week and have for 55 years. Why? Because when you meet a woman at a bar or wherever, the first thing they look at is your face. Are you a handsome uh, mofo? Uh, secondly, uh, do you have the seductive charisma necessary to uh, get this woman into bed? But far more important, they look at your goddamn hands. Uh, you got grease and grit under your fingernails. <laughs> not only are you not going to be invited inside. Uh, you're not even going to get to touch. Fact of life. Uh, it ain't rocket science. Please, God, wake up, my fellow brothers. Uh, but pedicures, that's the issue. Why do men get fucking pedicures? Uh, I get one every goddamn week. Why? Because if you get manicures uh, frequently, you're going to fuck ten times as many as everybody else. And very soon you will meet a woman who uh, is into fisting. Fisting, yes. Uh, vaginal <laughs> or anal. Who gives a shit? It's a fisting. Who gives a and shit? like every other fucking sexual act uh, with the same person, it gets boring very fucking quickly. So when that woman says, uh, here's what's next, uh, and you have to show your feet, uh, and they are not buffed and manicured, well, I, I'm sorry to say, uh, there won't be a next. So, my brothers, get yourself manicured every fucking week. And uh, once you have uh, transitioned into real uh, fucking sex, uh, <laughs> get yourself pedicured as well. God, I love it. I love that somebody... Did John make this montage video? I don't know. I think it was somebody else. Is he playing the piano? Yes. So what's happened, Poppy, if you've missed it before? Because we've covered both. There's two separate videos here that have been spliced together. So the first one is obviously John playing the piano. We played that, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And I thought it was great because it showed that the guy has soul. It shows that he's got layers. It shows that he's deep. He's not just talking about uh, anal sex constantly and taking drugs. Like there's more to John McAfee than meets the eye. He's a spiritual person. He's a deep person. He's a thoughtful person. He's a reflective person. He has a heart. He's got soul. So I appreciate that. And then I also commended him on the other video talking about why men need to get manicures because for me no other candidate is giving you actual real life day-to-day -day advice like that's real leadership right there guys if you don't get manicures your lady isn't going to allow you to fist her in the anus so you know you make sure you get those manicures that is something that you can take with you and learn like you can you can use that you can deploy that wisdom 
every single day. Nobody else is doing that. Nobody else is giving you real advice that you can touch, smell, and taste to use in, on an everyday basis, except John McAfee. So they've spliced those two together. It's fantastic. You've got the soul and you've got the everyday wisdom all wrapped up in a nice, neat little package. So how can you, how can you not love this man? Honestly, how can you not love this guy? I wanted to show you this. Um, the last Democrat debate was the, the Democrat debate was last night. Don't worry, this is not the Democrat debate. As you know, on this program and on Trust and Verify, we identified Pete Buttigieg. It's got to be like, I don't know, what was it, like nine months ago? Something like that. We identified him as the potential dark horse, the potential establishment pinup boy for a whole range of reasons that we won't go over again. And it's pretty much played out that way. He, it's pretty much played out the way that we suspected it would. But I wanted to show you this clip because I found this bizarre. And again, it's something that we've spoken about before. Yes, I want you to try and look past the obvious pandering. I want you to try and look past the obvious setup that's taking place here. It, it is so obvious. It's sickening, right? It'll bring a tear to your eye. It'll make your stomach turn the obviousness of this ploy, this play. But if you can see past that, you'll see the deeper thing that I want you to see. Have a look at this and just tell me what you think. Okay, the next question comes from Zachary, age nine. And this is a really touching question. He says, thank you for being so brave. Would you help me tell the world I'm gay too? I wanna be brave like you. Zachary. Thank you very much. This is for me. Thank you. Well, I don't think you need a lot of advice from me on bravery. You seem pretty strong. I, it took me a long time to figure out how to tell even my best friend that I was gay, let alone to go out there and tell the world. And to see you willing to come to terms with who you are in a room full of a thousand people, thousands of people you've never met, that's, that's really something. <clears throat> a friend of mine is a clinical psychologist who works with really troubled children right? No, they're not my psychologist, just in case that was the next fucking comment that was going to come out of you smart ass mouths. No, it wasn't me. But this is what they do very high up in their, in their world, like very sought after, very intelligent, has written papers for governments and ev the, the lot, like has um, advised on policy and everything, really good at what they do. And I asked them a while ago, because they were starting to question like the whole trans thing. They started to think that professionals in their, in their industry, if you want to call it that, in their profession, uh, are not giving the best possible advice for people, right? <clears throat> and this is actually, this is when wokeness comes to the real world, like when it comes to the real sciences. And now you have professionals of like 20 and 30 years who feel they can't speak out because they will be shunned by the wokeness in their own profession. It's starting to leak into, it's starting to get to a point 
well, it's not starting. It, it started a while ago. But it's now at a point where it's becoming dangerous in the eyes of people in this profession, right? So I there was a clip that was similar to this talking about gay children. And I, I asked the question genuinely, um, if, home, if, if being homosexual is defined by being sexually attracted to a member of the same sex, right? If to be gay is to be sexually attracted to somebody of the same sex, how can children be gay? Right? Because remember, we watched that video where um, the the transgender parent said, my daughter came out as gay when she was like five years old, something like that. And so I asked, how can, how can a child be gay if gay is defined as sexually attracted to somebody of the same sex? And this person said back to me, very simply, they can't. Because children, especially prepubescent children, cannot be, at that stage of their development, cannot be sexually attracted to anyone. Like, it is literally impossible to be sexually attracted to people at that age. Your brain hasn't developed yet. Your organs haven't developed yet. You're not producing the, the, the required hormones, right? Uh, for a whole bunch of scientific reasons, children cannot be sexually attracted to anyone, same sex or opposite sex. They can display behaviours that may look like sexual attraction, but those behaviours may have been learned by, you know, watching TV, watching parents, right? They may want to touch people because they're curious, you know, children are curious. They may do things that mimic sexual attraction, but from a purely scientific standpoint, it is impossible for a child to, like of this age to be sexually attracted to people. So, again, the question is, if it's impossible for a child to be sexually attracted to people and homosexuality is defined as being sexually attracted to somebody of the same sex, how can a child be gay? This is usually the point where if you bring this topic, if you ask that question in the wrong setting, this is where you'll be accused of heinous things. You'll be accused of hating children. You'll be accused of hating. You want to burn gay people. You're a bigot. You're disgusting. You hate everybody, right? They just fall back into that programming of let's chase the person asking the question into the cornfield instead of engaging our minds on any kind of intellectual level. How can children who scientifically cannot be sexually attracted to people be gay if gay is defined as being sexually attracted to people? <laughs> and it gets worse when you consider this is now for this presidential candidate. This is now being used as a positive campaigning tool, right? This setup here, this setup, this setup situation here. A thousand people in the room cheering. Yeah. And when people accuse the homosexual lobby of trying to sexualize children, you will get called a bigot. You will get called a Nazi. You will get called uh, homophobic, right? Disgusting, spreading homophobic stereotypes and stuff. <clears throat> okay, fair enough. It's a, it's an awful, evil stereotype. 
to say that the homosexual lobby is trying to sexualize children. But at the same time, we are to celebrate the fact that there are children who are talking about who they are sexually attracted to. Even though scientifically, that's impossible. Just like that. Just like that. To be pro-LGBTQ rights or whatever, to be pro that, um, that drive, just like that, they've just managed to squeeze it in without anybody complaining because, you know, you don't want to be a homophobe and whatever. I get it. But just like that, they have managed to add the children into the mix. Just like that. <coughs> and people didn't complain. They cheered. They celebrated. Well. It happened right in front of our eyes. And there's a saying, once you, uh, once you get the toothpaste out of the tube, it's impossible to put it back in. Now, even though I've done my best to explain that in a way that's not, you know, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I don't think that I've insulted anybody. You watch. I will get accused of insulting people. I will get accused of bigotry. I will get accused of homophobia. Nothing you can do about it. And that might be enough to make me say, you know what? Because I'm human. It might be enough to make me say, eh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth the hassle. So can you imagine people who work in professions like clinical psychology dealing with, you know, very damaged, very broken children for a whole number of reasons. Children who have experienced things that you wouldn't wish upon your worst enemy, like oftentimes before they've even gone to school. Horrendous levels of abuse and neglect. Can you imagine being one of these people and feeling too afraid in a scientific profession, quote unquote, I know that's debated, but whatever, that's a different discussion. But can you imagine people in that profession being too afraid to point to scientific, you know, scientific study and saying, this is not right. This is impossible. We can't be doing this. Imagine being in a scientific profession and being too afraid to quote science. And again, we didn't do anything. We just let it happen. We let the kids get dragged into the LGBTQ movement. They now openly talk about kids being sexually attracted and what to people and what kids what kind of people children are sexually attracted to. We cheer it, we celebrate it, we promote it. And we didn't say a damn thing because we were too afraid to say so. Horrendous, right? <laughs> it's now campaign fodder. It's now a video that gets shared around on social media as a reason to elect somebody in the most cynical possible world, that being party politics. Where everything is, you know, 
a deception built on a lie. So there you have it. Happy fucking days. All right. I want to get into a bit of coronavirus stuff. Because we were covering the coronavirus pretty full on uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then we've just kind of let it live. I've put it to the side because I wanted the body bags to pile up a little more. Because <laughs> I'm that kind of a guy. And so there's been some new news. Uh, first of all, uh, tip of the hat to uh, Revenge of the Sis. I was watching Revenge of the Sis just before I went live. I put them on while I'm preparing my show. It comes in handy because sometimes like they'll they'll do a story or they'll do a clip that I've got. And then I'm like, okay, <laughs> so I just dump that clip. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I can't fucking do it better than these guys do it. So I'm not doing it. <laughs> so, um, but this was mentioned, right, in passing. This is like breaking news. This is hot goss off the press. Nassau County, which is in New York, more than 80 people being monitored for coronavirus risk. Because now there's now the discussion has moved on from is it real? Is it just the flu? Now it's being thought of as, oh, it's just another fear campaign, right? But if you've been listening to this program over the last month or so, you know we're not coming in the, we're not coming into that discussion as greenhorn rookies, right? We've we've been doing our fucking homework here. We've been covering a lot of stuff on the coronavirus, going deep on, you know, how the media is portraying it, going deep on the government responses to it, which were wholly inadequate, wholly inadequate. From day one, we were saying that Western governments are ignoring this at their peril. We got accused of racism. We got accused of fear mongering. But now those, now that, those seeds, that plant is starting to bear fruit, right? Now the chickens are coming home to roost, as we knew they would. So in the United States, believe it or not, I've been told, I thought it was only three, <clears throat> but there's actually five. So people are saying, people are pointing to the fact that there aren't many reported cases. Okay, that's fine. There aren't many reported cases, so there's no reason to worry about it. That's fine until you actually look at how many facilities exist to find cases. In the entire nation of the United States, ladies and gentlemen, as of right now, there are five facilities that can test for coronavirus. Five. Not 50, not 500, not 5,000. Five. Five. In a country of what? 320 million people, there are literally five facilities that have the ability to test people for coronavirus. So it's a little disingenuous to me when government figures come out and say, well, there's nothing to worry about because we haven't found anybody with the coronavirus. That's essentially the same thing as saying we aren't fucking looking either. We aren't looking, therefore, there's no reason. It's like covering your eyes at the scary part of a movie and then pretending like the movie isn't playing. So this is uh, County Chief Executive Laura Curran giving a press conference earlier today. Remember, there are only five facilities in the we entire are country. everyone to remain... Five facilities that can actually test for the coronavirus. ...everyone to remain calm in Nassau County. Remain we have calm. no confirmed cases at this time. <laughs> and this is always a good... Because we aren't looking. 
we have no confirmed cases because we aren't actually testing anybody. (laughs) And I get it, man. Like, I get it. The media is going to lie to you. The media is going to spin things. The media has a fucking agenda. I get it, man. Guess what? So does the fucking government. So does the government. The government had agendas and spin and lies long before the media even fucking existed. Governments have been lying and spinning and propagandizing and making shit up and deceiving populations for literally thousands of years. <laughs> long before there was a printing press, there was a government. And long before Brian Stelter said shit on his show on CNN, governments were fucking you in the ass. They were lying to you on a daily basis. It is an ever constant in human society. Wherever there is a government, they will lie to you at some way, in some way, in some way, shape or form at some point. I'll remind you, ladies and gentlemen, of the Australian government's response to the coronavirus uh, for a number of factors. I'll briefly go over it again. Once we knew that there was indeed an infected area of China where apparently, allegedly, thousands of people were falling ill with this particular virus, the Australian government refused to do anything about it. As you know from listening to this show, the third biggest industry in Australia is the foreign student industry, meaning that students, mostly coming from China, studying in Australian universities is the third most profitable industry we have. Third most. I think it's behind mining and housing. Mining, uh, the resources which we ship to countries like China, houses that we build uh, in order to have, in order to keep, we need mass immigration to keep the the housing industry artificially boosted up. That's why we have mass immigration because the housing lobby gets in the ear of government and says, we need to keep building houses. We need to keep, uh, you know, creating jobs. So you need to keep people coming into the country. Behind those two is the foreign student program. And Chinese nationals will pay top dollar to study at our universities. So when we first heard the worst of the coronavirus, there was a two-week period before the government started stopping flights from that part of the world. And I was telling you back then, there was a reason for this because... In that two-week period, at the end of it, that's when universities went back. So you had two weeks of plane loads, sometimes 40 planes a day, coming from China, landing in Australia, students going back to university for two weeks, and on the day, literally the day that university went back, that's when the government said, okay, we're not taking any more planes anymore. Completely cynical but completely obvious if you know what you're looking for. It was a similar thing in the United States. They didn't want to do anything. It was a similar thing in every Western country. So I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not pinning Trump up against the wall for the, he, he was doing the same thing that every Western country did because it's money, because it's the economy, because the economy will take a hit. If you, if you do any kind of mass quarantining, if you, put in any kind of serious response to something like this, you are going to have a hit in the economy because China is like the world's halfway house. Products go in and products come out. Money goes in and money goes out. It is the second biggest economy in the world. 
If this virus had have started in a third world shithole that nobody spends money on, they would have put a fumigation tent over it within the first 24 hours. There would have been emergency meetings with G20 countries. We are not trading. We are not sending any people, produce or products in or out of that place until the virus gets sorted out. But because it was China, all of the Western governments, Australia included, the UK included, the United fucking States included, instead said, oh, well, there's nothing to worry about. Don't panic. (laughs) Because money. Because money. And if you don't think that uh, Donald Trump, because he wouldn't be um, a smart guy if he didn't think this, right? If you don't think Donald Trump would be concerned with the economy leading into an election in 2020, if you don't think that that's a concern for him, when you consider the economy is like the number one ticket that he's fucking running on, if you don't think things that would negatively affect the economy would be in the forefront of his mind in an election year, then I'm sorry, you are, you are far too naive for this program. Far too naive. Oh, he wouldn't do that. He would protect us. You know, in the end, if it hurts the economy, so what? No, no, no. no. If it hurts the economy, that's a thing. They're going to try and manage it to limit the damage in whichever way, shape or form they can. Because you don't want to be going into an election with a stuttering, faltering economy when running on the economy is your number one thing, right? And if there is any kind of mass response to a viral outbreak in the world's second largest economy and you do something about it, then your economy is going to take a hit whether you fucking like it or not. That's just reality. Objective reality. So I understand. I understand the lily-livered response from Western governments. But these things don't come without consequences. Opportunity to remind everyone to practice common sense, hygiene, and sanitary procedures. Wash your hands with soap and water. Use hand sanitizer. If you're sneezing or coughing, cover your mouth. If you're not feeling well, please stay home from work, stay home from school, (laughs) go to the doctor, and get a flu shot. It's not too late to get Get a regular old-fashioned flu shot. There have been a total of 175 or so people who have experienced at least a partial time where they were removed from contacting other people. Currently... Oh, it doesn't sound... All all of a sudden, it doesn't sound like nothing anymore. As of today, there are 83 people who are on on our list for being removed. Movie Time Blue says, without a good economy, POTUS is more vulnerable to the bullshit allegations. I agree, 100%. Without a good economy, um, it just... It gives fodder for people to vote for, again, the far-left socialist who wants to give free money away. And you might think that people are too smart for that. (laughs) Eh, Don't be surprised. If populism on the right is a thing, then populism on the left is a thing. Like there's no such thing as it's populism is not a right wing thing. Populism is a thing that is on both the left and the right. And in times of like economic slowdown, populists on the left will use that as the reason to get, you know, momentum. They'll say you're broke. It's class warfare. Uh, you know, get behind it. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. And people, desperate people will do desperate things. They will vote for the desperate option if they have to. Moved from contacting other people. We check in with them every day for their temperature and we deliver a thermometer to them if they don't have one handy. There are. 
we deliver a thermometer to them if they don't have one handy. Isn't that nice? Huh? They're looking after you. (laughs) Remember what the Australian government was doing? They kept taking plane loads of people from the infected area and handing them a pamphlet when they got off the plane. We played the clips on this show. We played the clip of the health expert in Australia saying scanning people for flu-like symptoms is a waste of time. They literally said that with a straight face. There is no point to scanning people for flu-like symptoms when they get off a plane from China. The reason that they gave was, well, the, 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 the virus lays dormant for two weeks, so we wouldn't pick it up anyway. To which I, of course, said, but what about the people who have already had it for two weeks? Won't we pick them up? Isn't that something? (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. There's no point. We don't have to do that. No, no. So we handed them a pamphlet that said, if you're experiencing flu-like symptoms, please call this hotline number. And the hotline number that we gave them was only open Monday to Friday, nine to five. (laughs) That was the Australian government's response in protecting its people. Don't panic. Don't just remain calm. It's just a fear campaign. It's just conspiracy theory. We need to keep the airports open because if we shut down the airports, we can't get the Chinese students in and we're going to lose millions of dollars. Hey, there's nothing to worry about here. There's nothing to worry about here. We need to keep the trade lines open because if we stop taking products from the infected area, if we stop letting people move around from the infected area, if we stop sending things to and from the infected area, it's going to cost us billions over the next quarter. Hey, don't panic. There's nothing to worry about here. It's just a conspiracy theory. You're just being lied to. (laughs) Okay. Somebody got in touch with me before. I'm not going to mention their name. Somebody got in touch with me before and asked, do you think that, you know, they noticed in their area that there's people are now buying more shit up at the shops. And they said, do you think that this is going to be a thing? Do you think that there is going to be run-ons in stores? And I said, yes, it will. It absolutely will. So I understand the dif- see. Don't get me wrong. I understand the difficulty of government because they they need to be able to address a problem, but they can't. They don't want to address it in such a manner that causes panic. So every everything that politics is and everything that politicians do is all about managing expectations. Constantly managing, massaging what people expect of them. See, if they respond to harsh, like if they respond too proactively, then they'll cause a mass panic and that's going to have an effect on the economy. If they don't respond at all, then something else is going to happen and that's going to have an effect on the economy. So it's all about balance. They want to balance. They don't really care if, you know, a couple of hundred people die, if it doesn't have a mass effect on the economy or their country at a larger scale. That's their job, basically. It sounds sounds shitty, but that's what they that's how they manage these things. So if a couple of hundred people die but we don't lose billions of dollars, that's that's worth it for a government. They will they will take that option. Like it or lump it. So somebody asked me, is there going to be a run on stores? Are people going to be buying up products? And I said yes there will be. Maybe not everywhere. I would suggest probably in the city centres first, and then if if it doesn't slow down after that, then it will get worse in country towns and whatnot. But the reason that I said yes is because I've already seen it. I've already been watching it. And people that say, oh, it's not a thing, it's not going to happen here, you're, you're kidding yourselves. This video, I was going to play this on the show. This is like, what is it? What's the date on this? 
February the 10th, right? So what are we talking about here? Over two weeks ago. Two and a half weeks ago, this video came out. This is from a news channel, a Singaporean news channel called The Straits Times. I think I'm the only person that subscribes to it. Because believe it or not, Singapore being um, an important financial centre in our in the Australian realm, in the Australian area, you know, the South Pacific, Southeast Asian world, a lot of money goes in and out through Singapore. It's, it's essentially like, I don't know what you call it, it's like pff, the Israel of Asia, if I can use that term. A lot of investment, a lot of, you know, traffic to and from, right? A lot of money there. So this story came out on this channel two and a half weeks ago. They're pretty, they're pretty good, the Straits Times. Like there aren't obvious overt agendas unless you start dealing with like local Asian politics, which most of the time they don't really do. This is for Westerners. So let me show you what's been happening in Singapore a month ago. And Singapore, you have to remember, uh, very, very strict social policies. Like it's illegal there to have bubble uh, chewing gum. You can get lashes for chewing chewing gum in Singapore. Very strict. It's, it's essentially a fascist country, if you want to put it that way, socially. But people love it as well at the same time. So this is what was happening in Singapore a month ago. And if you don't think that this is coming to you, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Announcement also sparked food and grocery buying sprees across Singapore over the weekend. A month, this was a month ago. Instant noodles, rice and toilet paper. And so I'm saying a month ago because it would have been happening for a week or so before they report on it. Because that's generally how slow the corporate media is in any country. Something has to be a week old before they'll talk about it. Among the top few items that appear to be in high demand. Photos and videos of empty supermarket shelves and people purchasing large amounts of essentials flooded social media over the weekend. And this has led political leaders to speak out on these bouts of panic buying, including Prime Minister panic Lee Sin buying. We have ample supplies. There's no need to stock up with instant noodles or tin food or toilet paper. While supermarkets across the island have reassured customers that they are well stocked to deal with the surge, NTUC Fair Price has imposed a purchasing limit on paper products, rice, and instant noodles. You have to understand too the context behind this. If you don't know much about Singapore, let me fill you in. Singapore is a tiny country with a big footprint. Very, very there are there are a tiny amount of Singapore nationals. I think most of the people in Singapore would be non-Singaporeans, right? It's that kind of a place. Singapore is a tiny, 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 tiny little country. It's it's essentially a city state, right? That's how small it is, with a tiny population. This tiny population has a high level of trust for its government. It's not like us here in Australia where we're like we're kind of like everybody's always screwing us, so we don't trust a single thing they say. It's not like in the United States where it's a similar vibe. It might not be as cynical, but it's probably close, right? In most Western countries, fuck the government, who cares what they say? I don't believe a word they say. In Singapore, it's the opposite. Mo the overwhelming majority of people have a high level of trust in their government, in their elected officials. So it's in that context that panic buying is taking place. Now, if you take, if you have uh, news reports of a similar outbreak in a country that does not have high levels of trust for their elected officials, what do you think they're going to do? 
do you think in a country that does not have high levels of trust for their elected officials, when their elected officials come out and say, don't panic, we're doing everything we can, everything is fine, don't worry about it, do you think that they're going to say, oh, okay, I trust the government now. I don't trust the government any other day of the week, but today when they're talking about this virus, I absolutely trust them. Again, in Singapore, they trust their government and their government is telling them don't panic and they're fucking panicking. They are panic buying. They are emptying out supermarkets. They trust their government. Their government says don't panic. You don't trust your government. When the government says don't panic, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think the reaction is going to be? Of course there is going to be panic buying. And I mean, we just we just played the clip in New York now. They're monitor we're monitoring 175 people. We're monitoring. Haven't aren't you getting sick of this fucking word? I'm getting sick of that word. We're monitoring the situation. But Mr. Government, what about the uh, bias? What about the censorship online? What about the censorship on social media? Don't worry about it. We're monitoring it whilst accounts go get shot down daily. While social media platforms get, they just keep turning the screws constantly, minute by minute, shutting down more people, shutting down more people, kicking off more people. What's the response? Ah, don't worry. We're monitoring the situation. We're keeping an eye on it. Oh, good, good. (laughs) So the government now is monitoring the coronavirus. You've got nothing to worry about. They're just monitoring it. But in reality, they're not monitoring it because we know that there are only five facilities in the United States that have the ability to monitor it. Five. 320 million plus people. Five facilities that can test for the virus. We're monitoring it. No, you're not. You're monitoring nothing. (laughs) And in the first instance where one of these facilities actually starts to actually monitor it, and let's, you know, in, in, New, in the New York area, in the greater New York area, all of a sudden, oh, we turn up 175 people that we need to keep an eye on. We need to hand deliver thermometers to them because we don't want them going outside. Ah, nothing to see here. Don't panic. What are you talking about? Don't start panic buying. And I mean, you know, let's be honest here. It's not like New York is a high dense is a high density residential area with large amounts of tourists coming in and out. That's not the case, is it? Nah. New York's basically like the fucking desert. It's like the frozen tundra. There is there is one person every 1000 square kilometers and that's it. <laughs> it's not like people in New York are crammed in on subways. It's not like people in New York are constantly bubbing shoulders on, you know, city streets. It's not like people in New York are sharing cabs. It's not like people in New York are constantly squeezing up against one another at all times. It's not like people in New York are constantly being inundated with people flying in from all corners of the globe. That's not the case. That's not real. That's conspiracy theory. That's not really the way it is. No, no, no. No, it's it's a purely clean, um, pristine environment is New York. <laughs> nobody go, it's like it's like the chocolate factory. Nobody ever comes in and nobody ever comes out. It's fine. Don't panic. So again, if you don't if you don't think there's going to be panic buying, customers will only be allowed to buy four packs of paper products, two bags of rice, and four bundle packs of instant noodles at one time. The fifty dollar limit for vegetables will also remain in place. Joining us in you can only buy fifty dollars worth of vegetables. 
It'll never happen here. What's our favourite saying on this program? Don't worry, it won't happen here. <laughs> it won't happen here. Nobody's going to panic buy. Nobody's going to panic buy in Australia. Nobody's going to start panic buying in the United States. Everybody trusts the government here. Everybody believes what the government says here. When the government says there's no need to panic, well, that just puts my mind at ease. How many facilities are testing for this virus? Five. That's more than enough. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good morning, starshine. The earth says hello. You twinkle above us. We twinkle below. <laughs> Everything is just fucking peaches and cream, beer and Skittles. Rainbows, huh? There is rainbows shooting out of my ass. Everything is going to be just dandy. <laughs> Nobody's going to live. Everybody trusts the government. Nobody's going to panic by. Don't be ridiculous. You're a conspiracy theorist. Okay. Okay. <laughs> It'll never happen here, books. You're crazy. You've never gotten anything right. <laughs> In the studio to make sense of what has transpired over the weekend is Professor David Chan, Director of Behavioral Sciences Institute and Professor of Psychology at Singapore Management University. <laughs> Andrew Jackson in the chat. Remember back in 2020 when they were like, hey, maybe stock up? Those were good times. <laughs> You're welcome, Prof Chan. No. No, Prof Don't stock up. Don't stock up. What are you what are you listening to? Fear porn? What are you some kind of fear porn addict? Are you some kind of conspiracy theorist? What are you stocking up for? There's no need to be prepared. Didn't you hear the government? There's nothing to worry about. We trust the government today. How many facilities are testing for this virus? Five? Why do we even need more than one? Why are we even testing at all? <laughs> Professor, you know, what have you observed uh, <laughs> over the weekend? You know, is it an overreaction? Do you think... Uh, overreaction, here we go. On Friday? Here's where the work starts. Here's where they start working, your man. Well, first, uh, what did we observe? I think it was certainly not a typical weekend. Well, you see on social media, if you're not at NTUC or at the cold storage and so on, with people running around uh, with a trolley of items, uh, empty shelves and so on. Uh, whether it's an overreaction or not, I think it depends on which group we are talking about. I think the very first important thing to note that everybody you see at NTUC or other supermarkets uh, on Friday evening, Friday afternoon, evening and Saturday morning, uh, don't demonize them first because in that group, they are actually a heterogeneous group of different people. Mm -hmm. Well, first you have the typical group of after work is Friday and you're already shopping there. So <laughs> Don't demonize the people who are preparing. Don't demonize the people who are buying shit just in case. No, 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 no. <laughs> they have to say it on the news. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So you could be we are so fucked. Caught right there in the middle of this huge uh, avalanche of people coming in. Uh, and you're in the middle of a queue and you are buying things. Uh, usually you don't just walk up. You carry on buying your things and then you join the queue. And then it kind of signs up. Those are the existing crowd. Mm. And then you have the people who, of course, uh, once you hear the news for whatever reasons, run there buy the items and then they add to the crowd. And there's a third group of people and there's people who go there for actually, I would say quite legitimate reasons. Mm. Uh, and we can talk about that. You know, they have their own concerns. Uh, they may need to grab some supply. I see a lot of Westerners in Singapore, a lot of Westerners in Singapore. Cause like I said, that's where the big finance jobs are um, in this part of the world. If you get hired by like a Singaporean company in the finance world, you'll fucking set, you can work there for 12 months. You're set for life basically in the last minute. Um, so it is a heterogeneous group. 
Now, Professor, you know, break it down for us. You know, um, let's just get straight into it. You know, why do people panic buy? You know, what is the psychology? Why do people panic buy? What is the psychology at play here? Do you know behind it? Well, as I said, because it's a heterogeneous group, uh, let's not look at the weekend shoppers on that particular weekend that just passed as panic buying. So panic buying would be a term that we will probably use to refer to a group of people who suddenly, uh, upon some news, you run to the supermarkets and you start grabbing things which you don't, don't really need. Uh, and when you grab things that you don't need, it is really more than that. As you grab two instant noodles, it becomes three, it becomes four. And then when you see there are five left and you begin go, go on to grab six and so on. So it is the irrational behavior comes in and then you call it panic buying, mm. um, which is quite different from people who go there with some legitimate reasons. You See, legitimate reasons. <laughs> buying, buying more than you need is illegitimate. Buying more than you need is irrational. See, see how the framing's already begun? And th like I said, this was this video came out two and a half weeks ago. You don't think it's the same thing? <sighs> what are you going to the store? What are you buying? What are you buying extra are you buying extra water? Are you buying extra food? <laughs> don't panic, man. Stop being so irrational. Like they have literally now turned people who are preparing for the worst, hoping for the best and preparing for the worst was a piece of common sense that pretty much everybody understood not that long ago. But now for whatever reason, whether it's, I don't know, political reasons or whatever it is, if you now hope for the best and prepare for the worst, you're now crazy. You're the crazy one. If you're preparing for the worst, you're now the irrational person. I don't know, figure it out. Figure it out. So, like I said, if you don't think that panic buying is coming to a city centre near you, I would suggest, most humbly, guess again. Because in a country like Singapore, where they have a high level of respect and trust for their elected officials, their elected officials are telling them, don't panic, stop being irrational, stop being crazy, they're panic buying. And in countries like Australia or the UK or the United States, where there is a very low level of trust for our elected officials, the what do you think is going to be the result when our elected officials say, stop panicking, don't panic by, stop being a conspiracy theorist, stop being crazy. I would suggest the majority of people are going to be out out in their car and racing to the local Walmart quick, like as quick as they fucking possibly can. They will burn the air with friction. They are moving so fast down those shopping mall aisles. It's going to happen, whether you like it or not. So, I mean, you can... I, suggest, I, I guess you can either beat the crowd and get in first and be accused of being a conspiracy theorist, and then when the local supermarket runs out of products, which it, will, which it eventually will, because these kinds of mass social movements, don't just, they don't just stop. They don't just disappear. This will, this will snowball, right? More people will do it, and then more people will do it, and then more people will do it. Next thing you know, you can't get fuel in your car, you can't get uh, toilet paper at the local supermarket. So this is your option, I suspect. Especially as more news comes out, once uh, there are more than five facilities that can test people for the coronavirus in the United States. Because again, that's all you have right now. 320 million, five facilities testing. Your government is saying, don't worry, we haven't found anybody with the virus. They're not telling you that they're not fucking testing people. They're not telling you that. But no, nah, it's just the media. The government loves me. The government wants to protect me. Sorry to be the black shirt wearing libertarian once again. 
Sorry to be sorry to be the non-optimistic fucking dancing on rainbows guy. But I have to be me. So they're not testing. That's why they haven't found people. So if you don't want to be the guy who's standing at the supermarket, even though you think it's a conspiracy theory, even though you think it's bullshit, you're going to have to buy food at some point. So maybe the only option is to get in early before everybody else does. If you get in early, you may be accused of being a conspiracy theorist. You may get accused of being crazy. Okay. But then when your friends come knocking on your door asking for extra stuff, asking for a tin of baked beans because they weren't a conspiracy theorist and they weren't crazy, uh, then maybe it will be worth it. Maybe the insults and the jibes and the thoughtless, um, mindless tropes will be will have all have been worthwhile at that point when your friends are knocking on your door asking if they can have a roll of toilet paper that you've stored away in your garage because you're a crazy conspiracy theorist who's preparing for the worst. The choice is yours. <laughs> All right. What do we have here? What do we have next? Um, okay, the lighter side. How about this? I'll, I, now I'll give you the lighter side of the coronavirus. City boots creepy coronavirus detecting robot from Bryant Park. In the worst possible time, because isn't Bryant Park in New York? Yes, it is. Thank you. Thank you. I, I got something right. It's a miracle. A robot was dispatched to Midtown Manhattan to help detect uh, the coronavirus only for the plug to be pulled within an hour. So, <laughs> so let's have a look at the creepy robot because, again, AI is, is a big... It's just a fucking mess. This is a mess. <laughs> and we got no audio on this clip? What's going on here? We don't have audio. I would still recommend you to... Okay. Let's have a look. Let's have a look at the government response to the coronavirus because they've been taking it very seriously, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The authorities have been taking the threat of a pandemic very seriously. Your government loves you. Your government wants to protect you. Don't panic. There's nothing to see here. <laughs> so... Um, it's I, You know what? I'd take this over the fucking pamphlets that we were handing out here in Australia. This is far, far better than a pamphlet. At least it looks like technology. Pamphlets were being printed 200 fucking years ago. We know that game. Can Where's our robot? Can we get a robot? Look, if you guys aren't using the, the robot anymore, can you send it over here? We'd love to have a little robot running around the airport testing people. It'd be fun. The kids would love it. They'd be taking selfies with it. It'd be fantastic. And when there's nobody that needs to be tested for coronavirus, maybe we can program it to serve drinks or something. You know, think outside the box. We're all going to be replaced by robots anyway, so we may as well get used to the idea. Hopefully by the time the coronavirus kills half of us off, we'll have enough robots to do the dirty work because I don't want to go back to scrubbing toilets, man. I want a toilet bot. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, no, I don't have a great car. Do you have a headache or feel tired slash weak slash fatigued? Have, you don't have any coronavirus symptoms. What is this shit? I would still recommend you to... Thank you, Robert. Thank you. I'm delighted to hear kind words. Would you dance? Everybody does. Is this real? Yes. I know what you think. You're thinking that this can't possibly be real. 
this can't possibly be what the, what it means when they, when people say the government is looking out for us, the government is protecting us. Yes, this is what it means. A fun little robot in a park in Manhattan. Press a button if you have a cough. Do you have a runny nose? Thank you for the kind words. <laughs> Don't you think we deserve it? <laughs> don't you think? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you. Just say, I don't think this is going to happen, but just say, just say like Corona Chan, Corona Chan wipes out like 98% of the world's population. I guarantee you the 2% that is still alive will be saying, we absolutely fucking deserve that. <laughs> Look at what we've been doing. <laughs> we've got nine-year-old gay people. We've got robots in fucking parks trying to find people with the virus. We had this coming. We cannot complain. <laughs> we had no right to survive this thing. That, that will be the way the history books will be written. We absolutely deserved it. Touch the screen to get the virus. <laughs> yes, McRae. McRae, exactly. So just say the robot finds somebody with the virus. Does it stay there or does it run off to headquarters to get itself sanitised? What if you have the virus? You're touching up on this robot. The next person comes over. Oh, look, a robot, honey, look, a robot virus that a virus robot that everyone is touching. Come on, kids. Let's all touch the robot that everybody in New York City is touching after they've been wiping their ass, after they've been playing with their testicles, after they've been, you know, picking up dog shit in the park. Everybody, come and put your hands on this thing. <laughs> and then after that, we'll go have tacos. Dad. Should I eat my tacos with a knife and fork for hygiene purposes? Fuck no. What are you, some kind of conspiracy theorist? <laughs> Stupid kid. Stupid fucking kid. Touch the robot that people have been touching after they've been picking up dog shit, and then we'll go and eat finger foods. We, we will absolutely... Corona-chan, we deserved it. <laughs> it does a little dance! Yeah, it does a little dance. Yay. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. Isn't it cute? Top tip, Andrew Jackson. Stock up on coffee and tobacco. Oh, I like it. We're getting fucking prison camp styles. We're getting World War II prison camp. Coffee and tobacco, they are going to be like gold. You're not wrong. Do not be shy. Come closer. Oh, that's creepy. Be shy. Come closer. Do not be shy. Come closer to the robot. Touch the robot. <laughs> it actually reminds me of a song. I wonder if I can. I wonder if I can find a YouTube clip of it. An Australian band that that just fucking. I know. It's the last show for the week. Sorry about that. That is not the song that I wanted. Thank you very much. There's a song, there's a band here in Australia called Regurgitator. Well, they used to be a band. And here we go. That Seeing that little robot reminded me of this. This is one of the songs on one of their albums. 
They're an eclectic group. It's not really the kind of song you sing along to. Touch the unit. Feel the unit. Praise the unit. to see here. It's just a cute little robot. Your government is taking the coronavirus epidemic threat very, very seriously. They care about you. Just a quick little refresher. There are five facilities in the United States, a country of 320 million people that have the ability to test for the coronavirus whilst your government comes out and says, don't worry, we haven't found anybody with the coronavirus, so there's nothing to worry about. In a country like Singapore, where people have a very high level of trust for their elected officials, their elected officials are saying, don't panic. People are panicking. They are going out and emptying out supermarkets. So if you're somebody who thinks that emptying out supermarkets could never happen where you live, where whether it be in Australia or the UK or the United States, in a country that has a very, very low level of trust for its government, I would suggest you might be a little naive in thinking that nobody is going to panic buy. <laughs> so... If we understand that people are going to panic buy because they don't trust the government, because people are panic buying in places where they do trust the government, then you're really only left with two options. You either panic buy now or you panic buy later when there's nothing left. And if you panic buy now, people are going to call you a conspiracy theorist. They're going to say that you're worrying too much, that you're being ridiculous. If you panic buy later, you won't get called a conspiracy theorist, but you also may not be able to get a tin of baked beans. So the choice is yours. <laughs> is that a good enough? Is that a good enough? Rundown, is that a good enough um, analysis of what's going on here? And of course, if that doesn't convince you, then surely the robot deployed to uh, the park in Manhattan, the adorable robot, which everybody is going up and touching after they pick up dog shit, after they scratch their ass, after they play with their testicles and rubbing their hands all over it. If that doesn't convince you, then surely the cute robot who does a little dance after he's finished testing you for coronavirus, surely that will put your mind at ease. We have definitely got our priorities set straight, have we not, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> All right. We're getting close to the end here. Um, I, what should I do? What should, I, you know what? I promised you the sex doll, the tour of the sex doll brothel. Let's do the fucking tour of the sex doll brothel, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not even concerned about coronavirus because I'm looking to get herpes off a used sex doll. This story I find fascinating. I'm not even against this. You know what I love? I love entrepreneurism. One of the reasons, like, when I first started reading about the United States, I started off with the Civil War. So I was a, I was a big Civil War addict when I was, like, fucking 12 or 13 because I was one of those boring, nerdy kids who used to read books. So I used to read about the Civil War and 
learn about like, oh, this is fascinating and the different characters of the Civil War. And then that got into like learning, okay, so how did this country over there start? Because we were always, we're always getting bombarded with Americanisms. We're always getting American TV shows, American music, American food, right? Because we're a satellite state effectively. It's, a, it's always a constant battle culturally between the UK and the United States. Like, which one has more dominance over Australia culturally? And it depends. Like, I think with the language and the way we speak and the way we relate to each other, it's obviously more UK-driven. Our system of government is more UK-driven. But when it comes to things like movies and popular culture and, like, the shallow shit, that's mainly America. So thanks for all those imports, by the way. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> so I started learning about... and you know what what appears to me is like what i've said on this program many times before i think the true nature of the united states like part of the reason why i dislike um politicians in the united states talking about like expanding government more social welfare pro like programs more handouts and stuff is because from what i understood like reading about the history and the founding of the united states that to me runs counter to your culture that runs counter to your ba your baseline because I could be wrong here, right? But when I read about the history of the United States, to me, it's it's a country based on entrepreneurism. Like individual liberty, yes, but individual liberty, the, the free market and individual liberty are hand in glove. They are two sides of the same coin. And yes, like obviously, you know, the taxation issue and stuff, but see how taxation was directly linked to tyranny, right? The economic freedom is is part and parcel of freedom. You cannot have freedom unless you have economic freedom. If you don't have freedom to make your own money and spend your own money and voluntarily enter into contracts with other people who make their own money and spend their own money or offer their services for money, then you have tyranny. You have no liberty. Because people have got to eat. People have got to make money. People have got to pay for shit, right? So if you remove economic freedom, that's it's the same thing as removing. You, you may as well throw people in prison. People in prison don't have to buy their own shit either. So the United States always like always represented to me uh, uh, the, the only time in human history where there has been a flare-up of entrepreneurism and where a system was built from the bottom up instead of the top down. It's the only time it's ever happened. So, of course, you know, as a black shirt wearing libertarian, I have an affinity for this. I appreciate that. I love that. I respect that. That's like that's like a that's like a glow in an otherwise dark sky. It's like, man, sometimes human beings can fucking get it right. Sometimes people can do the right thing. So of course, as a lover of this set of circumstances, when people run counter to that set of circumstances, I fuck I don't like it, you know? It's like why are you ruining why are you ruining the very special thing that you have? You're the only ones that had this system based on entrepreneurism, free marketism, and individual liberty. Why are you trying to fuck it up? It doesn't make sense to me. Well, a lot of things don't make sense to me. So this story, right? <laughs> now, this is probably going to be grotesque to a lot of people. But this story, I have, I have such respect for the people who run this establishment, I cannot even begin to tell you where. Inside the studios, the social club in the middle of the sex doll controversy. So in the great state of Nevada, in Las Vegas, this establishment has found a loophole around the sex laws. 
The owner of the studios, billed as Fluid Gender Social Lifestyle Club, said the club in central Las Vegas shouldn't be confused with the sex doll operation temporarily located at the same property. (laughs) So there's a sex doll operation. It's in the same building. Don't confuse it with what we're doing. I'm already liking it. They're finding a loophole. We've been there six years and we've never had a problem with anybody until today. Remember, it's not a brothel. It's not a sex operation. It is a, quote, fluid gender social lifestyle club. This, to me, is the entrepreneurial spirit flaring up into the stratosphere. That's the day Las Vegas Review Journal published a story raising concerns that the property, located at 5150 uh, S. Pecos Road, was being used as a sex club and a sex doll brothel. (laughs) (laughs) In a January 31 email, Clark County spokesman Dan Coolen said code enforcement had an open case on the property. Fuck you, feds! The case was initiated by a complaint that the property owners are operating a business without a license. Why do you need a license to be an entrepreneur? Do you need a license to shut down businesses? No, you just need somebody to vote for you. Fuck you. County records show, thank you for the ice creams, by the way. County records show that the studio was licensed in 2016 to operate as a, quote, I love this, educational institution. (laughs) It's an educational institution, guys. Under the name Fluid Lifestyles Learning Centre. So it can, see, it can be. If we're bringing people into this Fluid Lifestyles Learning Centre and we are teaching them, you know, say, how to insert their penis into a sex doll in order to gyrate to the point of orgasm, it's still educational, right? (laughs) Thank you for the diamond, Kimmy. It's still educational, isn't it? So this is how you put the sex doll on the bed. This is where you put your penis and you shake it around a little bit in there and then you orgasm and that's how it's done. Oh, great. I'm, I'm glad we had this talk. I'm glad we had this lesson. Is there a diagram somewhere? Yes, it's on the wall. Can I get a pamphlet? Of course you can. Here we're about learning. (laughs) I love it. It's genius. Judge, uh, county records show the studio was licensed to under the name Fluid Lifestyles Learning Center, but no licensing records can be could be found for the Las Vegas sex dolls experience. Thank you for the diamond Space Force droid. No licensing records could be found for Las Vegas Sex Dolls Experience, which was operating at the same location. But again, isn't an experience a learning thing? Isn't every experience a learning experience? I hear you ask. You'd be right. You'd be correct. Judge 73 called the studios, quote, Oh, thank you for thank you for following. Judge 73 called the studios a social venue for all persuasions. She did not deny that it operates as a sex club (laughs) because sex clubs, again, can be educational. If people have sex, they're doing it in some of the private rooms. Again, I love it. If people have sex. (laughs) We don't know if people are having sex. We're not aware of people having sex. This is a fluid educational facility. We also do have sex dolls that people take into sex private rooms, but we don't know if people are having sex with the dolls in the private rooms. I will always back small business. I will always back the ingenuity of the small business owner 
I will always back entrepreneurial freedom because in my opinion, especially when it happens in a country like the United States, I thought that that's what you were all about. I thought that's that what that's what your MO was. I will always back, even if they're running a fluid sex doll operation without a license, I'm 100% on their side every fucking day of the week. Because fuck the feds. Because this is my business and my, my building and I will do what the fuck I want in here. Because that's freedom, baby. That's freedom. That's freedom. Photos from the studio's website showcase rooms outfitted with beds, couches, televisions, at least one stripper pole and bondage equipment. <laughs> okay. So let's have a little tour of this operation, this educational facility. What is it? The Fluid Lifestyles Learning Centre, which also happens to Ring house... Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, Henry St. George. Henry St. George Tucker Bumper. <laughs> I, I like the little touch that you put on the end there. Very, very... I am... I am. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I'm very... Um, I'm very embarrassed. <laughs> so let's take a little tour. The inside, the flint, the gender fluid lifestyle center. No, it's not gender. It's fluid lifestyle sexual education center. Something like that. Where they do have stripper poles. They do have bondage equipment. They do have sex dolls. People go into private rooms with the sex dolls. But we don't know if they're having sex with the sex dolls. Let's <laughs> have a look. This is our social venue area. This is where our DJ is. This is the most popular place. I'm not really a dance club, but this is my social venue. <laughs> yes! <laughs> why should why should overpaid government lawyers be the only ones who are allowed to manipulate language for their own benefit? Why should they be the only ones who are allowed to finagle rhetoric in order to suit themselves? to come down on the man, right? Why should the little guy not be allowed to use language in the same fashion? This isn't a dance club. This is a social area. <laughs> you can't accuse us of not having a license for a dance club. It's not even a dance club. We have a DJ, we have lights, we have a stripper poles, but this is just a social area. It's not a dance floor at all, you idiot. <laughs> I fucking love these people, man. Where our DJ is, this is the most popular place. I'm not really a dance club, but this is my social venue. Social. I am not a social venue. <laughs> She's a fucking genius, Joyce Judge. She should be elected president. I am a person who believes in your right, socially, to be comfortable in an environment. I think I think we've got somebody who'll be voting for the Libertarian Party. <laughs> because I'm open to transgenders, because I'm open to cross-dressers, because I'm open to gay, because I'm open to anything else you can imagine. I have a customer that comes in here in women's clothes and the biggest mustache you ever saw in your life. <laughs> and I'm the only place where he can go and feel welcome. <laughs> I don't know why. So liberals, you can't be you can't be against her. She's doing the right thing. She's providing a safe space, huh? 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 Uh. 
It's a safe space. We have a DJ. We have a stripper pole. We have lighting, but it's not a dance studio. It's a social club. We have sex dolls and private rooms where people take the sex dolls into the private rooms, but it's not a brothel. It's a social educational center. (laughs) I fucking love this woman. Everybody in this town right now, according to the Review Journal, think that those dolls belong to me and that I'm running a doll brothel here. Where would they get such a ridiculous idea from? Everybody, see how she's playing with her necklace? That's not accidental either. She's a, she's a clever cookie, this woman. <laughs> Everybody in town thinks that I own the sex dolls and I'm running some kind of sex doll operation here. <laughs> Where would they get such a crazy idea from? That is not true. No. I don't have any dolls. I rented out some space to a company that was going to sell retail dolls. Ah, has nothing to do with the studios other than they rented space. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the studio other than the fact that I am directly earning money from the sex dolls being in my fucking building. <laughs> do you see how clever she is? Huh? See, this is... Oh, man. It's, it's, it makes me happy. It's a happy... I'm, I'm, you know what I'm experiencing right now? I'm experiencing happy sad. It's happy sad. I'm sad that we have strayed we have strayed so far from the principles of individual liberty and free marketism and freedom and entrepreneurism, which again, correct me if I'm wrong, as an outsider, when I studied the the foundations, the formation of the United States, where this business is, that to me is what comes out. Those principles are the things that hit you in the face at 100 miles an hour. You cannot avoid it. This is a country that entrepreneurism is its fucking backbone. Small business is the backbone of this country. You cannot avoid it. Entrepreneurial flair and free spirits and free markets and individual liberty. I will do what I want. I will make my money. I will run my business. I will make my dreams come true. That's what it is. Everything else flows from that. So it makes me happy. But then it makes me sad that she's now being forced to finagle the language, come up with loopholes. Hey, just because the sex dolls were being fucked in my building doesn't mean that I have anything to do with it. That was a different company. I was renting the room out to them. This isn't a dance club. This is a social club. The price, It's not a brothel. It's an educational center. <laughs> but that makes me happy that the, that entrepreneurial spirit that spirit of individual liberty, it still finds a way to operate in a very blanketed, very oppressive social environment. That makes me sad that the the you know the backbone of entrepreneurial freedom around the world, the United States, has become that, but then it makes me happy that she's found a way around that. You see what I'm getting at here? I know it was a very convoluted point. I know it's very hard to follow. It is at the end of the show. We are running over time, so please forgive me. So it's a happy, sad feeling. As uh, the voice of reason, Adam J., my co-host on the Common Discourse podcast, often likes to say, life finds a way. (laughs) That's a separate company and a separate business. Separate business. And I do have lots of separate businesses that come in here. Yeah. I have a gentleman that does a foot fetish night here. 
Huh? But, 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 <laughs> again, no, no, no. This isn't a sex club. This isn't a sex club. Somebody comes in here and does a foot fetish night in my building, but my building is not a sex club. I fucking love this woman. This is fantastic. This is so, this makes me so happy. <laughs> Because I don't think that there's anything they could do about it just because of the way she set it up, just because of the way she puts it out there. Uh, it's not a sex club. It's a social club. And, like, there are a lot of businesses in here. One guy comes in here and does weird foot fetish sex shit, but it's not a sex club. <laughs> Once a month, I have a swingers club that swingers comes club. in and throws a, a party for their group. This is our Maryland room. So she rents out private rooms where people have sex with sex dolls, but she's not running a sex doll brothel. <laughs> she's running a social club and a sexual educational facility. <laughs> I can't get over it. I'm obsessed with her. I need to know more. I would love to meet her. I would love to just sit down with her for an hour and pick her brain and say, how the fuck did you come up with this? You are a genius. Row is everywhere. We are a fluent gender learning center. We have a educational license to help people find jobs, to teach them how to pole dance, to teach them how to. We have a pole dancing. We have pole dancing and a DJ, but it's not a dance club. It's a social club. <laughs> it's an educational facility. Can uh, the transgender community has a hard time finding jobs? Yeah. If people are having sex. Judge, who's the woman who runs this operation that isn't a dance club, that isn't a, it isn't a sex club, it's a social club. She says if they're having sex, they're, having, they're doing it in the private rooms. And, you know, she's obviously a good libertarian. She's not going to invade somebody else's privacy. Just because I rent the private rooms out to people who are having sex with sex dolls in them doesn't mean that I'm running a sex doll operation. It's just a social club. You idiot. You stupid government. Government. <laughs> this is my... Business license. Uh, I have got, I've got all the paperwork. <laughs> very hard for six years to be the kind of place that isn't like any place else. Um, what people come in here and do uh, is as varied as people are varied. <laughs> she nearly said it. What people come in here and do is have angry sex with sex. To no, no, no. What people come in here and do is varied. <laughs> She's a fucking genius. And if they want to put me in jail for whatever it is they think I'm doing. Ben says, I'd love to go in there and get my feet dittled. <laughs> this building. That's okay, too. because <laughs> Henry St. George Tucker Buffer in the chat. Frank, how did you get this banquet hall so cheap? Is that moaning I hear? <laughs> it's probably cheaper than a nursing home. <laughs> it's probably cheaper than a nursing home. Ladies and gentlemen, our hero of the week, our free market, black shirt libertarian, free market, free, free, free enterprise, entrepreneurial spirit, patriot of the week, ladies and gentlemen, Joyce Judge, the woman who runs a, the woman who runs a social club, They've got DJs, they've got stripper poles, but it's not a dance club. It's a social club. We have private rooms where people have sex, but it's not a brothel. We have private rooms where people have sex with sex dolls, but it's not a sex doll brothel. It's an educational center. 
She is our hero of the week on the Daily Boogie podcast. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> that brings us to the end of tonight's proceedings. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, like so many of you have, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to tell me about your social club, hey, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS, at ChrisMC44, at Mr. America the Bearded Truth, at Why Censored, at Winning TV, at JJ Stoner, at Irrational Times, Joy of Pessy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Iceman in the chat with his with his world famous program, Sound Test. I'm a big fan of the Sound Test, can't get enough of them. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody who contributed tonight on DLive.tv slash Boogie Bumper. Uh, I'll be back probably on Sunday night with Trust and Verify. And other than that, back on Monday night with another edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, I, I might do some gaming over the weekend. Might play a little bit of um, Call of Duty. I know a couple of people have tried to friend me on Fortnite, but I haven't had a chance to even get on the Xbox since last week. So as soon as I get on, I'll, I'll open up Fortnite, maybe play a little bit of Fortnite, and we'll hit you up then. But if not then, then I'll see you next week. So until then, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> stay calm, stay rational, God bless, stay macho, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>